So he's got this theme going on in Psalm 91, right? And I'm, 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 this is probably going to be one of the most important messages that I ever give. Because in my time as a believer, and it's been about 20 years now, one of the things that I noticed about people in the body of Christ is they don't understand about how to stay under the covering. And they're always running out from under his covering. And they believe in Psalm 91 that what he's talking about, he's only talking about the inherent covering of God. But I'm telling you that I believe he's speaking of the inherent covering of God, and he's also speaking about the delegated covering of God. And so that's really what I want to talk to you about today. When I first became a believer, there was this man that the Lord put in my life, and his name was Gary Cooper. And he pursued me as a father. And he continually said, come into my life group, come into my life group. And if you're not in a life group, I will deliver you of that demon, and you need to get in a life group and get connected to community because community is the only place where people grow, okay? So anyway, he got me into his life group, and I was like, okay, so what is this all about? And, and as a new believer, I was very immature in the Lord, but how many of you know that you really, there's not like a gauge that, or, a, or, or a thermometer you can stick in your mouth to see how mature you are in the Lord? You think you're mature because you think you know things about the world and you have systems and processes and everything according to the world that kind of work for you. But, but in all actuality, you're really not that mature. And so I thought, well, I can prophesy, so therefore I must be whatever, you know, all that. And I remember being grumbling and complaining against the leadership of the church that I was in. And Gary Cooper took me aside. He took me to lunch. And he brought with him this book. And this book was um, called Spiritual Authority by Watchman Nee. And he said, I really encourage you to read this book because there's something that you don't understand about authority. Because honestly, in my heart, I was rebellious. And, and, And we all come into the kingdom And we all come out of a system of being rebellious and being very independent. And so I didn't understand what it was to tuck myself under the authority, the spiritual authority that God had placed over me. And I didn't understand the blessings that were attached to it. And I certainly didn't understand the the sorrow that would come if I got out from under it. And so that's really what I want to talk to you about today. Are you jazzed? This is going to be amazing. All right. So what caused Lucifer to fall? Rebellion. What caused Adam to fall? Rebellion. See, Adam and Eve, they enjoyed the beauty of the garden. They enjoyed the freedom of the garden. They enjoyed the connectivity to God. They enjoyed a covering. In that garden, they were covered. The word says in Psalms that they were actually clothed in his glory. That word clothed, it means that they were encircled and covered. That word clothed means that they had been overshadowed by God. There was an overshadowing. There was a Psalm 91 covering that they were benefiting from. So when when, um, Lucifer, or the snake comes to talk to them, 
They disobeyed and found themselves in a great need for the very thing that they had slipped out from under. They found themselves in a place after they had disobeyed God and, 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 and agreed with the snake's words. They actually found themselves uncovered. And the first thing that they said is, we are naked. I have no covering. But see, I believe in the, in the garden, they were covered in glory. They were naked. They didn't know they were naked. Why? Because they were covered in his glory. They didn't have shame because they were covered in his glory. But when they removed themselves from that place voluntarily, what happened is that God then had to come and cover them with the things of the earth. And they immediately began to say to themselves, I've got to cover myself. And so they began to get into reasoning because they had disobeyed God. They began to get into reasoning and thinking, how am I going to get covered? How am I now going to do what God was supposed to be doing? Because it's innate. We all know that we have to be covered. And so if we're not going to be covered by God and we disobey, we'll immediately begin to cover ourselves. And what I have found is that, that what, the, what people will do when they get out from under the covering that God has appointed to them is they immediately begin to cover themselves with their words. Oh, yeah, that's good. So basically what I want to do today is I want to teach about authority in a world gone mad in lawlessness. See, the enemy of our soul wants to tell us that freedom is individualism. But the truth is, is that God is a, is a king who has a kingdom. He's not the president who lives in a democracy. And so in our minds, we think to ourselves, because we're, we're, we're in America, and we've got this Western mindset of Christianity, so we think that everybody gets a vote. But the truth is, is that God is like, no, I'm the king. I'm the ruler, and I ordain my leadership so that my people will have order in their lives, and I have an order to my kingdom. Paul said this in Romans, he said, don't be, conformed by the, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, democracy is fine for the nations, but I love that we're in a place where God covers us with his hand and his laws and his ways so that we can be protected. And the laws of his kingdom are not superseded by or subject to popular opinion or what you think emotionally. I used to think that the things that I felt in my soul life was actually true. How many of you remember that, those days? Where before your soul, you brought your soul into subjection through the word of God. I had to, I had to, I had to bend my will because I was a highly emotional person I know that none of you feel this way. Like I had feelings about everything and I thought that my feelings were true because I had feelings and they felt so real to me. But the Lord broke in on me one day and he said, how long are you going to be led by your emotions and not my word? 
Because your emotions will take you down a road that doesn't, where the, the Lord never intended you to go. Ladies, hear me on this. My uh, spiritual mom used to tell me all the time, she said, you know, we just don't get a vote. She said, you know, God, God gets to be the one that decides. I don't get to vote in this. And I thought, oh, okay. Well, can I talk him out of it? Or, and I tried that. That doesn't really work because, you know, his way or the highway. Um, so what has happened is this democratic mindset it's trickled into our Christianity, and it's caused us to go down a deceptive path of self-rule. And if this path continues, I want to read this because this is really good. If this path continues, then we will go beyond challenging authority to blatantly resisting authority. Then, then there are those who have developed a greater degree of contempt for authority, which they display by totally ignoring its existence. Thus, they betray a complete loss of the fear of God. Scripture says this in Job verse, uh, chapter 36. If they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. But if they do not listen, they will perish by the sword and die without knowledge. I hear people say all the time, I am submitted to God, but I'm not submitted to man. I'm telling you, this is like, this is like, you think that most people don't think that way, but I'm telling you as a pastor, I hear this all the time. And I, and, and here's the thing, it absolutely breaks my heart because I see these people in a pattern of drama and a pattern of disobedience and a pattern of pain and heartache and they end up spinning out of control and there's no order, there's no peace, there's no, there's no multiplication in their lives. And so everywhere they go, they recreate that system. Looking for that self-rule, looking for that self-will, when in fact God is crying out, let me help you. Let me help you. And I, I posted this recently on social media. A good parent doesn't always say yes. Right? A good parent says no because it's not time and you're not ready for it. Or they say no because you're going to hurt yourself. So no, get used to the no and say thank you for the no. And I want to tell you a story because I have actually failed at this a lot. So throughout my teaching, I want to share with you some of my failures, but I also want to share with you I think I had like one success. And I was like, yes, I passed the test. Um, okay, um, before I share the story, I want to read from you uh, Romans 13, verses 1 and 2. Let every soul be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. List, appointed by God. The authorities that exist. Trust me, nobody's doing what I'm doing unless they have been called by God. Because you're not going to get to be a millionaire doing what I'm doing. It is a calling of God where he sets us in place so that we will steward your souls. And it's a good and safe place to be. And if you, and if you have been called into a family you have to decide 
how you're going to live within that family. Are you truly going to be connected and submitted in that family, submitted to one another, and submitted to the authority in that family? Or are you going to be an island out there on your own where I'm about to show you it's not good to be out there on that island? You'll get voted off. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So I... um. So I was at church, and I was a pretty new believer. And I was helping out a lot with the youth, right? And, um, and so all of the youth, we were having this crazy, explosive experiences, and all these youth were coming. And I had all of the want-tos, none of the have-tos. So this thing was exploding. We were having a great time. We were all over the city going to all the worship events. And, um, and so I was not directly serving the youth pastor at our church, but I was helping to energize a lot of the youth that are now energizing his youth department. And so I'm just serving him through that way, okay? So I remember, um, like, there was an assistant that had just started with him. She'd been with him for a couple of weeks, and I'd been pouring my life and my money and my time and and mentoring all of these young people. And, um, and I remember one Sunday he was preaching and he, he said, I want, um, I want to honor someone who's really made a difference in our youth department. And so in my heart, I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be amazing. You know, recognition. He's going to recognize that I've been doing this. And so I was just all ready to hear my name called. And so when he, when he called the name, he called the name of the girl that had been there for two weeks who was his new assistant, and he gave her flowers. Guys, my heart was crushed. I mean, I couldn't stop the tears. They just came flooding out, and I'm telling you, this is what I did. I went running, not walking. I went running out of that church, and I said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm out of there. They didn't recognize me. They're not promoting me. They're not acknowledging all of my efforts and all of the ways that I've served. I'm not going back there. So I'm like middle, I'm like on my way to the car. We're just bawling, bawling, bawling. I hear the Holy Spirit say, where are you going? I'm like, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. These people don't recognize me. They don't appreciate me. And he said, turn around right now and go back in that church. So, well, now I have a decision to make because my face is just beat red. I mean, this is the ugly cry. Snot everything. So now I got to go back in and be so embarrassed that I couldn't keep it together. And everybody knows what I'm crying about. You know, it's just like so embarrassing. So I did the walk of shame and went right back and sat down and I was like, oh, I'm so upset. So it was one of those moments where I had to stop that emotional train wreck that was happening to me. And just as a good father, he was telling me how to live. Get back under their covering. Don't leave their covering. I was mad for about three weeks. And then I had to repent. I'm sorry. So the New Testament speaks of four divisions of delegated authority. Civil, church, family, and social. And in social, I include employers, teachers, and bosses. Now, notice in this scripture where it says, let every soul, no one is exempt, so implant in your mind, 
listen to me. This is not a, this is not a suggestion. He's not saying maybe when you feel like it or if. And I'm telling you this because I really want to guard you from having to go around or get off track for two or three years, which I have witnessed with people. I've seen this. I've seen what happens. And then, and then it's like, okay, are you ready to come? Are you ready to come back? Or are you ready to repent and then get in a family that you feel like God is calling you to get into? And it says, let every soul be subject to governing authorities. The word subject is a Greek military term, meaning to arrange in military fashion under the command of a leader. In the non-military term, it means um, a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. Hello. So if we want to be obedient to God, we actually need to come under the submission of delegated authority. And so if the Lord has called you to be in a place, he's called you to be in a place and plant you there so that you will grow. Because he already knows who it is that's running the show. He already knows who the delegated authority is. And so until he tells us that we can go, we can't go. All right, so I have another story that I didn't do very well. So I was still at this church, and I had a prophetic word. And I was like, I gave the prophetic word to um, the associate pastor. And I said, you know, here's a prophetic word. God is, um, something's about to happen at your church. And, and, and God is, a, we need to pray because God is saying there's judgment coming to something. I mean, there's something that's about to erupt. And I was like so passionate. And I gave this word with so much passion. And he said, well, okay, you know, obviously, you know, and I gave him, I sent it to him by email. He forwarded it to the pastor and they both agreed that I was actually, he said, you are too immature to be in any form of leadership because of this word. And this word shows me that you're too immature. And I was like heartbroken. I was heartbroken. I mean, that was the last thing you want to hear, right? You're like, oh, way to deliver that message. So I, so I went home and I didn't say anything. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't defend myself. I didn't, you know, I just went home and I remember at that time, John and I were painting my brother's house to make money for, um, our fourth daughter's wedding. And, um, and I remember painting that house and I cried the whole time. And that, that word just played like a record over and over and over. And all I wanted to do was run. All I wanted to do was run. But the Lord told me, you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. And I thought, but they just don't understand and they just don't know. And the accusations towards them kept playing like a record in my, in my mind. And I had to, you have to deal with that because you're going to, your leaders are not Jesus. They have Jesus on the inside of them, but they are imperfect and their imperfection will help to perfect what the Lord is doing in you. And so I, I was like, I, I was so disappointed in them. I was so disappointed, but I stayed and I kept worshiping the Lord and I kept honoring them as my leaders. And it turns out that 
several weeks later, there was an explosion of some uh, sin in the church, and he came to me later and said, you know, I just repent. You were right, and you heard from the Lord, and had we, had I listened to you, then we could have avoided that. We could have avo- either avoided it or lessened the impact of it. So, I mean, there's total reconciliation. So, but again, there was an opportunity for me to be offended at the leadership at the place that the Lord had called me to stand. But, uh, but the Lord is so gracious and so good to us because what he doesn't want to do is he doesn't want us to get out from under the thing that we the place that we've been called to be. So the true definition of sin, let's talk about this for a minute. Too often we think of sin and we go to Galatians. We're like, oh yeah, there's the laundry list of sin. But the word of God tells us in 1 John 3, 4, that sin is lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness, meaning that I go against the thing that the Lord has spoken, that is sin because that is rebellion. And let me tell you something about when, when Lucifer sinned, who was the worshiping angel, when he sinned, God didn't say, I'm going to pastor you through this, did he? He didn't say, he th- that he said when he rebelled, he, he said the word says he threw him down to the earth. He threw him out of heaven like lightning. That guy was probably like, whoop, whoa, what just happened? Crazy. The Greek word for lawlessness means the condition of being without law because of ignorance of it or because of violating it. Simply put, lawlessness means not to submit to the law or the authority of God. Vine's Dictionary says this. Sorry, Matthew. The real meaning of the word sin, the definition of sin, sets forth its essential character as the rejection of the, of the law, rejection of the will of God, or the substitution of the will of self. And here's the thing about disobedience and obedience the word says that jesus learned obedience through suffering i'm telling you the only way you're going to learn to be obedient is when someone says no because at that moment you have a choice to make and the only way that you're going to learn how to obey is not when everybody agrees with what you're saying But the way you're going to learn to obey is the moment that you disagree. And you have to bring yourself into the submission. When when, um, the Lord tells us to train up our child the way that they should go, and when they get older, they won't depart from it. That word to train means to bend the will of our children to come under submission to our will. That's why it's so important as we train our children and we bend their self-will, self-will, what we're doing is we're preparing them for a life to be submitted and to follow the will of God. Because there's going to be times when following the will of God is hard, even in the waiting, we know this, it's difficult, but if we have chosen to bend our will to the will of God and not our self-will, then we know that we're going to be prosperous. 
The phrase, all right, now um, let's talk about the last days because there's a lot of uh, discussion in the New Testament about the last days. Richard, you're going to love this. It's mentioned in Scripture. It's quite possible that these days will prove to be the most exciting, and we know this. All right, so you're going to have the, the two growing up together. You know, you're going to have the wheat and the chaff, and so it's going to be a lot of fun for all of us who know the Lord, and it's not going to be so much fun for the people of the earth, right? So it's going to be crazy. But um, it says that it will be wonderful and fearful, and it's, uh, Paul says fearful because he says this, there will be terrible times in the last days. But mark this. In other words, be careful to note what I'm about to write. When he says, now mark this, that means keep it in your mind. It's an exclamation point. The reason the times will be uh, terrible, did you know that, it's, that he says it's not because of the persecution? He says over and over, the time is going to be terrible because of the deception that's going to be in the church. Now, here's the thing about deception. The reason that deception is so scary, because when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived. <laughs> you're, like, you're like under deception, and you're like, what? What are you talking about? That's not true. Right? It's true. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody who's deceived? You're like, okay, we're going to have to send several people in there to talk to you. Um, so what is the root cause? So if we ask two important questions, number one, what is the root cause of deception? Number two, why is deception able to run its course unchecked? The answer to the first, the root cause of deception is none other than disobedience. By questioning God's word and taking a path of reasoning to deception, we open our lives up to the master of deception. And Paul calls this the secret power of lawlessness. The secret power of lawlessness. You know, he talks about the mystery. It actually says the mystery of lawlessness. There's a mystery of the gospel and there's a mystery of lawlessness. Now, I want to tell you about um, the story of Jesus. When, he, when the centurion came to him, do you remember that story when the centurion came to him and he said, hey, my servant is sick? And Jesus immediately says, hey, I'll come and heal him. And he said, oh, no, you don't have to do that. I, I know that you can heal him by saying a word. I'm, I'm a man who's in an under authority. Therefore, I know that your word is true, and you can just heal him from here. And Jesus is like, okay, this guy, he didn't say understands authority, but he said this man has more faith than anyone because he understood that Jesus was in an under authority. Because Jesus didn't come to do his will, but he did the will of the Father. So Jesus submitted his will to the will of the Father. Therefore, he had authority, and Jesus called it faith. You see, what happens is when we submit ourselves and we are in another authority, our faith grows. Okay, and we know this because Hebrews tells us. He talks about Abel's faith was revealed by his obedience. Enoch's faith was manifested by obedience. Noah's faith was evidenced by his obedience. 
Abraham's faith, which was evidenced by his obedience, Joseph's faith manifested by obedience, and Joshua and Caleb's faith through their obedience granted them an inheritance of the promised land. And so we hate that word because we think that these things will hem us in. But I'm telling you, this is the place where your tent peg will grow when you come under the covering of the leadership that the Lord has placed over you. It is the safest place like Psalm 91 declares it will be. And so in closing, I have I have I want to I want to tell you three steps that the Lord showed me um will take a person in disobedience through this process. And, and see, the Lord gives us, he gives us three steps to restore someone who's in obedience. So when you see someone doing that, he said, this is what I do. Number one, there's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing or you're in disobedience, you know how you get that check and you're like, you hear that voice, just like when I was in that parking lot and the voice just broke in and said, where do you think you're going? You know, I could have ignored that voice and gone my own way. But I loved this family and I wanted to be a part of this family, even though in my own heart I was disappointed in the way that they had treated me. And I love God and I'm telling you, man, I've got a fear of the Lord. We need a fear of the Lord on us so that we don't depart from the faith. Number two, the, the second way, oh, Number one, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. If it is ignored, it will be replaced with reasoning, justifying our actions, and excuses instead of repentance. How many of you have seen that story? When you see somebody in sin. The second um, thing that he's going to do is he'll send a messenger. He'll send a pastor or a friend to restore you and help to bring clarity to your life. Um, Paul said this, my dear brothers and sisters, no, it was James, my dear brothers and sisters, if, if anyone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back again, you can be sure that the one who brings that person back will save the sinner from death and bring about a forgiveness of many sins. That's because when you get out from under your covering and you're in disobedience, what happens is that one sin is going to lead to another sin because you've just opened the door to witchcraft. You've opened a door so that the enemy can can tap dance on your head. And what I've seen primarily when this happens is that it'll affect your money. It will affect your access to heaven, your access to God. You feel like you're hitting like a, like a steel heaven, like you can't get your head above. You won't have peace and relationally you're going to have heartache. That's what I've seen with people that this has happened to. And it's weird because you see it played out and you go, whoa, that just happened. That's his word. That just happened. I'm just watching his word. Okay. Number three is judgment. Yes, the word judgment. It's in the New Testament. Romans 13, 2 says this, therefore, who resists my authority, resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Paul wrote this. He said, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Those two words, judge, there's two words in that scripture. If you'll judge yourself, that word judge means if you will repent and, and, and separate yourself from the sin and repent. And then the second one, we would not be judged. The second judged word is a different word, and it means we will not be punished. A good father disciplines his children. 
Do y'all still love me? All right, there was one other time when um, the pastor of the church, the Lord had talked to me and told me um, to start Storehouse Church, which was Haas and Dallas House Prayer and Remnant. and Anyway, the whole list. <laughs> so he told me to start this. And, um, and so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to my pastor, and I'm going to say, here, this is what something the Lord was telling me to do. And here's the thing. If you really understand family, you understand what it is to be a part of a team. The team is here to help. It's not here to hurt, but the team is here to help. And so I went to him, and I said, this is what I feel like the Lord is saying. He wants us to start this thing. Would you pray about this with me? And he said, yes, I'll pray about it. So about a week later, I see him at church again, and he said, hey, I prayed about what you said. Now, let me back up and tell you something I didn't tell you. I'd had several national prophets, and the Lord tell me to start it. Start it. Come on. What are you waiting for? Start it. Start it. Start it. So my pastor, who I never, he never prophesies. I never hear him prophesy, so he's not like a prophet. He's very much a pastor teacher, okay? He says to me, I prayed about it, and the Lord told me that you're supposed to wait a year. Now, when you hear that, you think, well, I don't think you're hearing from the Lord. This is what's going through my mind. I think you've missed it. But there was no way that I was going to go against this man and, and what he heard from the Lord. Because, see, here's the deal. If he's wrong, it's on him. Not on me. All I have to do is get up under his wings. And I know that's the place of safety and protection. And so after a year, he blessed us. He sent us out. And he supported our ministry monthly for five years. And to this day... Everything that that man has labored for in the spirit, I benefit from. He's my dad. And no matter if I agree with him or I don't agree, and we don't always agree. In fact, we disagree probably more than we agree. But I tuck myself under him and I say, I am your daughter. I honor you. I bless you. And to this day, when he says something, I do it. And so in this house, we have a covering. We have two apostolic leaders that we submit ourselves to. And whenever there are issues or problems or whatever, I go to them and I say, what do you think about this? And they pray about it and they tell me, here's what we think that you should do. The second thing we do is we have a board of elders that are, that, that, that are over us. And so everything, I don't make a lot of decisions on my own. I submit things to the board of elders whenever there's major things to be decided over this house. The third thing, the third layer of protection that we have is that we have a leadership team that provides operations and they do the day-to-day of ministering to people and covering people and loving people. And so each one of those layers, we are covered. And then we're covered again. And then we're covered again. Because I want you to be covered. I want us to be covered. Okay, I have a lot more here, but 
I think you've got it. So basically, obedience yields promotion, provision, increased faith in God's will. Disobedience yields deception, division, and judgment. And you're out of God's will. Are y'all happy? Do you still like me? Okay. So here's what I want to do. Um, I want to I want to play some worship. And if this is something you haven't done well in the past, or if you've rebelled against God's authority, I think it, we need to do some business with the Lord. There's an opportunity for repentance, and there's an opportunity to get back into that place of God. Because I don't want anybody to misstep. I don't want you to have to go through a wilderness season. I mean, we all go through those, but I don't want it to have to be because you put yourself there. And so I just want to pray a blessing over you. And next week, um, Rob Hatch, a dear friend of ours, um, he's in charge of our men's ministry. He's going to be bringing a word, and um, you're going to love it. Um, It's going to be really powerful, and he's going to give you some testimonies about how to do what, what I talked about here. So let me pray over you. And while the worship is is playing, I just want you to, if, if, if the Holy Spirit is bringing anything up, just go ahead and make it right with God, you know? And if, even if the Lord tells you to go to that person and repent to that person, you definitely want to make it right, you know? We want to walk in peace with all men because there's a way. And here's the thing. If, if people go, people need to go in peace. People need to go and be released and to be loved through it so you stay connected. Because we're all a big family. We may be in different tribes, but we're all a big family, right? All right, so Father, I do, I just thank you. I thank you for your love. I thank you, Father, for, um, for hope, that you have given us a hope, God, that you're not, gonna, you're not going to um, bring shame on us and our hope, God. And I just ask you, Father, that you would... Um, just restore in our hearts and bring to our minds if there's anything or any error or any place where we have um, where we have not honored the ones who God has called us to, to tuck under, where we have rebelled against the authority that you have placed over us. God, we want to prosper and we want to be a blessed people. We want to do it according to your word and not according to our way. And so we bless you, God, and we thank you for your word, that your word is sharp as a two-edged sword, Father, that it goes in and it, and it brings life to us. Would you bring the truth of God? Would you bring the plumb line of God, Father? Would you drop it into our hearts and our souls, Father, that we can properly grow and stay in alignment with you? And so we bless you. Um, prayer team, would you all come up? And, um, and we want to pray for you. If you're sick in your body, Please come up. We, uh, we've been praying for people uh, for illnesses on um, Thursday nights, and all were healed this past Thursday night except three people. And we had a full house. So, I mean, we had so many broken toes, scoliosis. We had uh, four or five backs that were healed. We had trauma from um, and neck pain and sinuses and kidney stones. And, and, and am I forgetting something? I don't know. I mean, just, it was amazing. So if you're, if you're sick in your body, come up. We want to heal you. So, um, Father, I just thank you um, for everything that you're doing in our lives. And, and I pray for everybody. I just bless you as you go out in this week. And um, just ask you, Father, to keep us cool. In Jesus' name.